0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here. Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field out of here ball gets away he's gonna break for the plate ball game is over the angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning
0: this is the angels recap podcast a review of the past week in angels baseball here's your host trent rush
2: Yes, welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast, our Megapod. Happy Holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. This is the most wonderful time of the year. Okay, well, aside from opening day, but this is certainly a time of year we're excited about here at AM 830 and Angels Baseball. A lot to talk about here this offseason. And for that, we have a super Megapod for you, close to two hours, absolutely loaded with content. You got to make sure to stick around to the end of the show. You're going to get a chance to hear my one-on-one exclusive interview with Anthony Rendon when he signed here with the Angels. We talk about so much on this podcast. We're also going to get a chance to hear from Mark Langston. Now, remember, Mark Langston had his uh, scary heart condition uh, flare up in in a significant way at the end of the baseball season last year. We talk about that, and we just talk a lot of baseball stuff with Mark. It was a really good conversation uh, that we had with Mark Langston talking about baseball and life, and you want to make sure you're here for that. We're going to go through – I have nine names, nine ideas – for what the Angels can do as far as pitching is concerned now that the market has changed. Last time we were on the air, Hyun Jin Ryu and Dallas Keuchel were available. Right now, they're not. They have signed with their respective teams. For Dallas Keuchel, reportedly going to the White Sox, Jin Ryu to the Toronto Blue Jays. Those are free agent options that are off the table. And I know many of you are not happy that when you look at the free agent list and you t- look at the top five names that were free agents coming into this offseason, and you look, At Steven Strasburg, and Garrett Cole, and Zach Wheeler, and Hyunjin Ryu, and Dallas Keuchel. When you look at those five and you say, wait a minute, the Angels didn't get any of those five? Well, it doesn't mean it has to be doomsday. It doesn't mean the Angels have stopped trying to acquire starting pitching. It also doesn't mean that the Angels haven't gotten better already this offseason. In fact, ESPN says, according to their projections of any team across the majors, the team that got the best so far, has been the Angels at, you know, 10 wins already, better than last year, according to ESPN's projection. So, again, we're in the very early stages of the win. I shouldn't say very early stages. We're in the middle stages of the winner right now because a lot of the big names are off the table. We have seen the major free agent moves go down. There are still a lot of other free agents out there. Not a whole lot of free agent starting pitchers, I'll give you that. But I have a feeling we're going to see a lot happen in the trade market starting in. 2020 in January, and I understand that a lot of you want to see that frontline starting pitcher for the Angels. Maybe the Angels have that now in a name that we we, we we just haven't seen yet. Maybe it's somebody else still to come. We're going to go through some possibilities coming up a little bit later on in the show. If you have some ideas, you can find me at Trent Rush Sports. Uh, send me some tweets. I know a lot of you have done that already. I'm going to try to read some of the best tweets on the air here on this show. And uh, we're also going to go through the five things that I'm excited about most for next year and the top ten highlights of 2019. So it's a very busy show. We're really glad that you are with us here uh, on this fifth installment of Halo's Hot Stove this offseason. But the Angels did make a splash last week signing Julio Teran, a name that we talked about here on Halo's Hot Stove, about why I really like this guy and why this is fit before But Julio Tehran comes over on a reported one-year, $9 million deal. And same deal Trevor Cahill got last year. So on a one-year deal, you got to keep this in mind. The pitchers that you're going to be signing for like a one-year guy are probably only going to hit like one out of five times. If that's the case, uh, the Angels are due, right? If it's one out of five, the Angels are due. However, I really like Julio Tehran for a multitude of reasons. And you can give me your reasons as well. But the thing that I like most about this guy is the durability. The fact that for each of the last seven seasons, Julio Tehran has made 30 or more starts. That is remarkable. Especially when you consider this. How many Angels have made 30 or thirty or more starts over the last seven seasons? If you were to add up every Angels pitcher over the last seven seasons, how many of them have had 30 start seasons? The answer is eight. And Julio Tehran has had seven. The Angels had nobody make 30 starts last year. Only Andrew Heaney did in 2018. Only Ricky Nolasco did in 2017. We'll go back even further. 2016, it was just one guy, Jared Weaver. 2015, Jared. Uh, it was Garrett Richards and Hector Santiago. 2014, Jared Weaver and C.J. Wilson each made 30 starts. And in 2013, it was C.J. Wilson. So since 2013, you add up all of the Angels starters, eight total, six dudes, Eight total seasons of 30 or more starts. Julio Tehran has had seven of those. There is a lot to be said for durability. There is a lot to be said for being able to show up and be a professional every day. And durability isn't, not, isn't just necessarily talking about injuries, but durability in terms of being able to be on the mound and be major league quality. Like that's what everyone says about Cal Ripken's streak, right? It wasn't so much about Cal Ripken staying healthy all those years. It was about Cal Ripken also being able to perform every day and be in the lineup, be good enough to make those starts. Julio Teran has been that. I mean, you look at his numbers over his career, he's been pretty good. And even last season, you're talking about a guy that had a 3.81 ERA last year. It was a third straight season Teran's ERA has improved. So when you're talking about a player that's 28 years old and you want to look at trends, I know Julio Teran has pitched a lot. And of all the starters under 30, he's pitched the most in Major League Baseball. But I see that as a good thing. And I see Teron trending up. I mean, when he started his career, he was pretty dominant when he first began his career in Atlanta. But he did have a dip in 2017. 2017 was a bad year. But 2018 was better than 2017. 2019 was better than 2018. And his 2019 was pretty darn good. And I know that they're just talking, oh, he didn't even make the playoff roster in Atlanta. Look, Their pitching situation is a lot different than the Angels' pitching situation. The Angels really could use Julio Tehran, And he's been their opening day starter for six straight seasons. So it's not like he's some schmuck. And the last six seasons, over the last two, Atlanta was the first place team in their division. They won their division the last two years, and he was their opening day starter. Okay, so it's not like it's just the opening day starter on a bad team. Yes, he was the opening day starter on some bad teams, but he was also the opening day starter on some good teams. And that's the longest such streak in Major League Baseball. And maybe he has a chance to extend that. I know Angels fans right now saying, well, we hope not, that they'd like to see the Angels get that one more guy. And the Angels still could. I mean, Billy Epler has, hasn't just left that door open. I mean, he's, he has said, hey, we are pursuing more starting pitching. However... The way the Angels' pitching situation is right now, it's not good enough to contend for a championship unless they get some other pieces elsewhere. But they can still contend for a division championship, I think, with this group. And the ALS is going to be wild this year. With Houston being good again, not as good as they were last year, and you lose Garrett Cole, that's a big thing. But they've also had all this off-field drama. I don't see the Astros being nearly as dominant as they were last year. But Oakland's going to be good again. Texas is going to be better. The Angels are better. That's like four teams contending for a division crown in the ALS. It's going to be crazy. The ALS is going to be really, really fun this year. But the other thing I like about Julio Tehran is relatively low cost, like a one year $9 million deal. That's a pretty affordable arm for somebody that is probably a three in most rotations. Now, you know, the top rotations probably not. But in your league average rotation, Julio Teran's probably a three. So you bring in somebody like that at $9 million, it allows you to have the flexibility to continue to add. I really don't think the Angels are done. The Angels need another starting pitcher. The Angels need a catcher. And if I'm going to be picky, I'd like to see another piece in the bullpen. I've talked about the bullpen before. I actually think the Angels' bullpen could be all right. It was league average last year when they had to pitch a ton of innings because Angel starters gave them the fewest innings of any team in baseball. So the Angel relievers had to work a ton last season. And I I just think about this bullpen. If this bullpen was able to pitch like a normal amount, I actually think they could be pretty good. And then you add Keenan Middleton to the mix as well. I mean, the the, the back end of Robles, Buttree Middleton, I think that could be really good. And I personally think, and I've said this before on the show, that I think Buttry can be that back-end guy for years to come. I think he can be that closer. I think Buttry's stuff is great. And we saw him really good first half last year. He was overworked. He was overused in the first half of the season. He was pitching in situations he should have absolutely never been pitching in. And he still ended up finishing with a decent season, even if his second half wasn't that good. I to a friend of mine with the Atlanta Braves uh, telling me, okay, well, here's what you can expect from Julio Tehran. Well, he told me you can expect him to give you ten really good starts, probably fifteen okay to mediocre starts, and he's gonna have eight to ten clunkers. Man, that's baseball. That's life. Not everybody, not every time you go out there is he gonna be dominant. And there are gonna be times that Tehran does not produce and does not perform. I I think we have to accept that. Man, I would if we can go into a year knowing that I'm gonna get ten really good starts and fifteen solid starts. From a starting pitcher, what what more could you ask for? I mean, we know the wrong end of that, right? I would say that having covered this team the last five seasons, going into my sixth season now, being around this group as much as I have, I have maybe a unique appreciation, I think you guys probably do too, a unique appreciation for durability and getting innings and getting starts. Like That's not that easy to do. There's not that many guys. Like Ricky Nolasco... In that 2017 season, there was value there. He made a lot of starts. His ERA wasn't very good. Tehran's like a run and a half better than Ricky Velasco. But, I mean, there was value to the amount of innings that he was able to provide. And when you're going over Tehran's starts last year, I saw this note that the Angels provided in the press release. And it was really impressive to me that Tehran had 17 starts last season, giving up one or fewer earned runs. That was tied for the third most in all of Major League Baseball. The only two that were ahead of Julio Tehran in terms of one uh, starts with one run or less was Garrett Cole, who had 19, and Hyun Jin Ryu who had 18. Those are the only two with more than Julio Tehran. But I really like this guy, not just for what he's been able to do in Atlanta for a long time, but because he gives you that durability, you get the durability at a pretty low cost, and the guy has performed really well. I mean, I've been impressed with this. I mean, you've seen his ERA improve three straight seasons to three eight one last year. His FIP, which um, is fielding independent pitching, which is basically uh, what a pitcher does if you were to remove the defense, four point six six. Okay, that's not dominant, but that's that's good. That's okay, uh, but it's improved three straight years. So he's gotten better each of the last three seasons. He's walked too many guys. 83 walks last year. That's not good. That's way too many walks. I want to see that number cut down. Gosh, I'd like to see that number cut in half. I'm not going to get crazy. But that's a lot of walks. That's an area of concern. I, I will admit that. But you know what I love on the other side of that is the strikeouts. He had 162 and in 174 innings. That's pretty good. I like those strikeout numbers. Not dominant. Pretty good. Julio Tehran is a three. You're bringing in somebody that's probably better than Andrew Heaney. That's Julio Tehran. And if you have a rotation of five guys that are like Andrew Heaney level, I'm pretty good with that. I I like that staff. I like that rotation. Bundy is that similar level. You know, there's a chance that Griffin Canning can be better than that. You know, Patrick Sandoval is not quite that good. You know, there's there's a long list of guys that are probably not quite that good. We don't know how good Shohei Otani is going to be. Is he going to be the ace that we saw flashes of before? Maybe. But I actually think the Angels, the Angels have a, a decent rotation right now. It's not good enough. It's it's not quite average. I would not I would not say the Angels have an average rotation right now. But with one more piece, I think it'd actually be pretty good. I think it, I think with with if they're able to make a trade for, let's just go to Dreamland and say like a Mike Clevenger, I think that that would put the Angels in the top half. And we're talking about a team that's got a lineup that. I think that I would I would be hard-pressed to find anybody that would say the Angels do not have a top-five lineup in baseball. Many people will say it's a top-three. Some would even say top-two. There's a lot to like about the Angels' lineup. Now, the Angels still have a big piece that they're missing, and that's a catcher. And how are they going to address that situation? Martin Maldonado's off the table. Houston Astros officially announced Martin Maldonado back to Houston today. So, the reu, you know reuniting with Martin... Isn't going to be isn't happening. I'm not totally upset about that because I felt like we saw some regression even that last year that Maldonado was here with the Angels before he was traded away. I thought we saw some regression that year, and even though you know we saw him be really good and be a Gold Glove guy, you know the end of his Angel tenure wasn't great. But I mean, when Billy Epler says, "quote." We've seen some of the pitchers on our roster pitch at a high level, so I'm not going to undercut them and say they don't have the ability to pitch at the front end of a roster. Saying, quote, we've seen what Shoei can do. We've seen what Andrew Heaney can do, have periods and seasons with really low ERA. We watched Griffin Canning come up and make an impact right away, and not to mention the contributions of Dylan Bundy and Julio Tehran. I'm not going to say this isn't a strong group. I believe this is a strong group. End quote. That's Billy Epler after the signing of Julio Tehran. And there is a lot to like about this staff. And there is rotational depth here. It's not like you look. If you're independently looking at one of these guys and said, oh, man, are we really counting on him to be the dude? No, you're not going to be happy with that. But you put them all together, you know, it's not so bad. I, I am comfortable with the five names I just talked about. Now, the problem is the Angels are likely looking at a six-man rotation. And we don't know how much Shohei we're going to see. We're going to see Otani probably once a week. And we know the Angels are going to be cautious with Shohei Otani. You know, some probably would argue they may be overly cautious with Shohei Otani, which is understandable because there is no book on what Otani is doing. I mean, it just hasn't been done since Babe Ruth. So, how much Otani are we going to get? It means the Angels need one more guy. And Patrick Sandoval is a, probably a really good depth piece for you. Jaime Berea is probably a depth piece for you. He's a AAA starter that if you need him to come up and make a spot start, you're comfortable with that. You don't necessarily want him every day in your rotation. I think Suarez right now is somebody that can benefit from another year in AAA. He probably had to come up a little bit too early last year. But Suarez could be good down the line. There's a handful of these guys that you like, and you really just need that one more dude. The Angels are not that far off. And they're going to continue to pursue starting pitching. I have some ideas for how the Angels' rotation can be fixed. do want to let you know to get your red on, support your Angels during every home game in 2020 with Angels season seats. For more information on becoming a season seat holder, call 888-796-HALO or visit angels.com slash season seats. Okay, I have a long list here of nine guys. I'm going to go through the pros and cons to the top nine guys that I think could help the Angels. are the, the top nine moves, I should say. Top nine moves. But first, I, I do want to talk for a moment about Dallas Keuchel and Hyunjin Ryu no longer being available. I was never, quite honestly, never that high on either. I was higher on Dallas Keuchel than I was on Hyunjin Ryu. I think Hyunjin Ryu was the classic case of being a good pitcher that had a dominant contract year, and now he's going to cash in. So I, I had my questions about Hyunjin Ryu. Don't get me wrong. He would have helped this Angels rotation, even if he was the guy before last season. But I, I you know, I do think that he is somebody that I am a little bit concerned about. And he, he's had a lot of injuries, too. And Dallas Keuchel... I, I like Dallas Keuchel, but at some point the regression is going to happen. I mean, maybe he turns into Mark Burley, I don't know. But at some point the regression is going to happen. I, I just think that you're talking about a re, two really high-risk guys in, when you're considering the, the price of them and you're considering the age of those guys. I, you can take the high risk when it's the guy you really want. You know, you, you can take that risk on Derek Cole, Steven Strasburg, Zach Wheeler. Now, the Angels didn't get any of those three guys, and probably for reasons that were beyond the Angels' control. Steven Strasburg wanted to stay in Washington. And if you're the Washington Nationals and you just won a World Series, you have to keep Strasburg or Rendon. You have to keep one of those guys. You had to make a decision. You could afford both. But you had to do everything you could to keep one of them. I mean, you can't totally alienate your fan base. Right after you win a World Series by dumping everybody, a la Florida Marlins twice. You can't do that. You had to keep somebody. You had to keep one of them. And they kept Strasburg. So that was off the table. Garrett Cole, the more we're hearing from Garrett, the more we're learning after the fact, the more we're realizing the Angels probably never had a chance anyway. Not just because of the money, but... Garrett's infatuation with the Yankees that has been around for a long time, there's only so much the Angels could do with that. And, and coming home, I'm sure, would have been desirable to the to to the Cole family. But you know what else is desirable is $324 million. And the Angels could have probably kept bidding and bidding and bidding. And no matter what they do, I think the Yankees are going to top it. And at a certain point it's a lot easier pill for the Yankees to swallow than it would be for the Angels because the Yankees are probably that one piece away from being World Series contender while the Angels are in a roster-building mode. They're, in a, they're trying to build a team, a championship-caliber team, around what I think is a championship-caliber core. They have the core, but they need a lot of pieces. They, need, they have a handful of them that they need. It wasn't just the one guy. So you couldn't blow everything on Garrett Cole. So that really was out of the question. And then Zach Wheeler, we're learning now, you know, he really wanted to just stay in Philly. He wanted to be, you know, close to home, close to New Jersey, where he's from. There's only so much you can do with that. Madison Bumgarner, that was really out of the Angels' control. You know, you you think about a couple of things with Madison Bumgarner. I mean, one, he – You know, he had his horses in Arizona he wanted to be around. I think that he probably preferred to be in a National League park where he could hit on a National League team. And then, you know, there was even some chatter about the tax situation. And the taxes are a lot higher in California than they are in Arizona. There's only so much you can do with stuff like that. Those are things beyond the Angels' control that some of those guys uh, went for. But, you know, talking about Hyunjin Ryu, I got this tweet from Scott Each who says, hey, Trent Rush, uh, so, my good friend David uh, Ted Yu pointed out that the Angels Bundy was 65th in war from 2016 to 2019, and Ryu was 63rd. Ryu is five years older. Ryu costs a lot more money, like five times more money. Bundy has pitched in 55 more games. Um, yes, pitching, but we need a good catcher to help this staff. Who's that going to be? Well, I'll tell you a little bit later on. There's two names I have in my head for who that catcher is going to be, and I'll explain, but that's a good point. Hyunjin Ryu and Dylan Bundy, since 2016, very comparable, pretty much the same guy. And, you know, Ryu – um, limited durability in the last five years. He's only thrown 160 innings once, and he's 32 years old in the five-year deal. I wasn't crazy about Ryu. Again, Keichel, uh, three years was more palatable, but you know his stuff really hasn't decreased since 2017. That's good. Obviously, being a ground ball pitcher, he would have had success with Simba and, R- and Rendon on the left side of the infield. You know He's effective, throws 88, 89, and he's 32 years old. That decline could come quick. I mean, like I said, I don't see the decline being like Jared Weaver, where all of a sudden he dumps, uh, drops off to 82. Plus, he's left-handed, so he's going to be able to pitch a little bit longer. And like I said before, best-case scenario uh, would be to be Mark Burley. But like Burley had a lot better stuff earlier in his career than da- Dallas Keuchel did. I mean, Dallas has kind of been this guy uh, the entire time. And and I really don't think that either guy was that front-line answer. Uh, the, the names that hurt more, like I said, Madison Bumgarner, um, you know, Cole Hamels I would have liked to have had, even though that was a really high asking price on that. Wade Miley uh, would have been great to have. And those are the kind of guys, like the, that middle upper tier pitcher that we talked about early on, that market went really quick. You're talking about Jacob Rizzi going November 14th. When the Twins brought him back, and you know Michael Pineda too, that happened before the winter meetings. The Rangers picked up Kyle Gibson at Thanksgiving. Wade Miley, um, I mean, gosh, that's looking like a bargain right now—two years, fifteen million. He goes to Cincinnati. Like I said, Cole Hamels not a bargain—one year, eighteen million. But Atlanta got him before the winter meetings. Zach Wheeler was before the winter meetings. Um, that would have been a great piece for the Angels—five years, one hundred eighteen million. It's a big chunk of change. That would have been great. But, again, that that was really out of the Angels' control in many ways. So not having Cole, Strasburg, Wheeler, Keichel, Ryu, you didn't get any of those five guys, I I think that's okay. You know, the high-risk contracts uh, would have been tough, but I, I do think it does sting to miss that next tier. That hurts. And, like I said, even Madison Bumgarner, really out of the Angels' control. So now I'm looking at who are those other options. Who are the next guys that the Angels could get? okay. The number one option for me is Mike Clevenger. Now, here's the deal. Let me go through some of the pros and cons on Mike Clevenger. 29 years old. Now, he's only thrown 500 innings, which is good. That's not a lot of wear on that 29-year-old arm. And he's got a 3.48 ERA, low salary, $4.5 million. That's two more years of team control. I mean, GMs across the country are salivating at numbers like that. His FIP which again, fielding, independent pitching. You're going to hear FIP a lot here coming up in the next few minutes. It's gotten better each of the last three years. So Clevenger, at 29, is getting better. His strikeouts per nine inning, better each of the last three seasons. His velo started going up in September of 2018 and was even better last year. So he's throwing harder, and his slider is outright nasty. Fangraphs says it's eighth in MLB, and as of August – the only starting pitchers in Major League Baseball with more shape to their slider, so a nastier slider, a bigger break. Last year, the only two in all of baseball better than Mike Clevenger, Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. Just those two. Clevenger was third. Uh, that's um, that's amazing. This guy is the real deal. Yes, I know that deal in 2014 stings with the F- Vinny Pastano for Clevenger deal, and the Angels got burned on that one. That happens. Hide Sight 2020. And it might cost the Angels a lot, and that, that's part of the, the con here. Now, I will say, Clevenger has been injury-prone in his career, so that is something to be aware of. And it's going to be a really, really high-asking price. It's going to cost you a Brandon Marsh-caliber guy, and that's not going to be nearly enough. I mean, you're talking about some kind of a package, including the names Brandon Marsh, Jordan Adams, Jeremiah Jackson, Luis Ringifo, Matt Thice. I mean, you're probably talking it's going to cost maybe three of those five guys. I mean, I would debilitate the Angels' farm system. It would in a significant way. But you're bringing in a top guy. It would it would at least debilitate the Angels' farm system in terms of MLB or close to MLB ready guys. Now, like Jordan Adams and Jeremiah Jackson aren't they're not that far away. Brandon Marsh. I mean, he is a center fielder. The Angels had that position locked up. I, I'm a I'm a big fan of Brandon personally. Like I really like Brandon Marsh. He and I have had some great times together at spring training. I really like Brandon. But that could end up being a piece the Angels now are forced to move because they did not bring any of those top-tier names to help the starting rotation. Now you're at the point where you might have to trade that guy. I will say that nobody helped their stock more in the fall, cross baseball, than Brandon Marsh. Brandon Marsh was outstanding in the Arizona Fall League really upped his stock because I know the talk was about six months ago that his stock had been declining. Well, that stock is way back high again. So Brandon Marsh is going to be a name that other teams are taking notice of. I'm sure that's one of the names that Cleveland would want in a a potential deal for a Mike Clevenger. I'm sure of that. Okay? Matt Theis. I talked about how Brandon Marsh helped his stock in the fall. Nobody has helped their stock more in the winter than Matt Theis. He has dominated in the Dominican in the Winter League. I mean, good for Matt Theis. It's cool to see that improvement. They're talking about him as being like the best defensive player in the Dominican this year, which is great. We saw flashes at the big league level, but it certainly wasn't consistent. So if he was able to make that kind of jump, that's awesome. So then if you're Billy Eppler, you're trying to decide, okay, wait a minute. I have this guy that you know I've been you know investing in for a long time, former first-round pick, that is just now starting – the Rose is just now starting to bud – do I trade him now when his value is at an all-time high, or do I not want to lose this guy? Brandon Marsh, same thing. The Angels have depth in middle infield, so Lloris Ringifo is probably going to be a name that's going to be circulating as being a potential trade piece. You know, now with the Rendon move, and you still have LaStella and David Fletcher. David Fletcher had the second-best war for the Angels last year. So you're not losing that guy. So Ringifo probably is odd man out and probably gets moved. Maybe Cleveland wants David Fletcher. I, I, I That would be probably too much to give up. And I think Joe Adele would be too much to give up. I would not trade Joe Adele. But anything outside of that, I think any other move besides Joe Adele, you have to be willing to consider right now. And to get Mike Clevenger, it would take that. Another name, John Gray. Now, he was a four-win player last year, an ERA of 4.0. And pitching for the Rockies had a 3.86 ERA. Believe it or not, he actually pitched better at Coors than he did on the road. That's actually a little bit concerning to me. His road splits weren't great, but was dominant at home. Five point six million in arbitration. That's relatively cheap. He throws, you know, relatively hard. I'd say ninety-six mile an hour fastball. That's pretty hard to me. Um, his walks not great. Three and a half per nine innings. That's probably too high. Um, he's got a good mix: fastball, curveball, slider. So you look at good things with John Gray. That's a lot of pros in the John Gray column. There's also some cons too. He led the National League in early runs in 2018. Part of that's the course factor, sure, but his ERA was over five that season. Um, it's probably going to cost you a top five prospect too. Like I said with Clevenger, it's going to be some kind of mix. Probably three of those five names. I would say for John Gray, it's probably going to cost one of those five names and then somebody else that's going to be in the 5 to 15 range as far as Angels prospects go. That's probably what's going to be the price tag on John Gray. Just guessing. But that's about what it probably could be for him. Here's another name that I know is a very polarizing name. David Price. Still an effective arm. I'm telling you, David Price is still effective. Last year, a two-win player. He ended up going four and five last year, four two eight ERA. Again, that that's you know, there's not a whole lot of Angels pitchers that were better than that last year, when you think about it. Um, and consider that's also pitching in a bandbox at Fenway Park and being in the American League East against, you know, those lineups. Okay. And he did have a sub four ERA each of the previous four seasons. So David Price does have that going for him. I think there's just a stigma with David Price, right? And a lot of it has to do with the price on Price. And how much money he's owed. I mean, he's got familiar with, familiarity with Joe Madden, And I really think that getting out of Boston is going to help his perception and probably his performance, too. Now, I'll give you this. I said the same thing about Matt Harvey last year, and it didn't work out. But I think that there is still a lot to like about somebody that's a five-time All-Star. It's one of Cy Young. He's left-handed. Kind of like Dallas Keuchel, I think that he's more likely to be effective for a little bit longer. A righty probably doesn't rely as much on Heat's and David Price's velo has been fine. And the other part, too, is the Angels could be opportunistic when it comes to trying to take advantage of the Red Sox wanting to dump payroll. So I really don't think it would cost the Angels very much at all to get David Price when you're talking about prospects. And if the Red Sox didn't want to eat as much cash as the Angels would like, maybe Boston throws in a prospect of their own and the Angels' farm system gets better. So you could pick up a frontline starter and also pick up another prospect like that could be the move and it, the biggest question mark of this whole thing is we know boston has to eat some of that money i mean he has owed a lot 96 million over the next three years i mean you look at the cons of david price he's old and expensive not a great combo 39 34 years old owed close to 100 million dollars over three years not a great mix but we know Boston's going to eat some of that. We just don't know how much it's going to be. And I know David Price is nowhere near the ace he used to be. He's been injury prone. He had the wrist issue last year. He had the Tommy John scare in 2017. He only made two starts this year after July 30th. So there are reasons to be concerned with David Price, sure. But if the Angels can get a prospect and get that frontline guy that's still going to help this rotation and the Red Sox would be willing to eat some of that salary – that may be a direction the Angels could be willing to go because they would not be depleting their farm system to get somebody like that. Again, I know it's not ideal, but if you're trying to preserve your farm and you still want to add a pitcher, that might be the direction to go. couple other names. Um, Robbie Ray from Arizona is a name that has been floating around and being rumored. Now, the pros on him, big strikeout guy. He had 235 punchouts and 174 innings last year. That's really good. Uh, 4.34 ERA, solid, fine. Granted, it's in the National League. be a little higher in the American League, but you know, I think you're okay with a 4.5 ERA. He did make 33 starts last year, 28 years old, left-handed. Like that's all good. You like this, you like the, you know, just the initial scouting report on Robbie Ray. You like that. His FIP is sub-4 in his career. So that is the first stat to me that I was like, oh, wow, okay. Sub-4 FIP over his career. I like that. He was an all-star in 2017. The con on Robbie Ray, again, just a one-war player last year. Uh, he is going to cost you a little bit more money than some of the other guys. Uh, he's owed $10.8 million, and you only get him for one year. And he might also cost you one of those top four prospects. He might cost you a Marsh, a Jackson, an Adams. He might cost that. He might cost dice. might cost Rangifo. So would you be willing to part with one of those guys to get Robbie Ray? I think you're probably willing to part with one of them. You certainly wouldn't want to part with more than one of them to get somebody that is going to help your rotation. But again, it's only for one year. Flip side, very comparable arm, comparable name, Matthew Boyd of Detroit. It's funny, like to me, I look at the numbers, like if you're just looking at profiles, Robbie Ray and Matthew Boyd are almost the same guy. Matthew Boyd, another big strikeout guy, 238, 150 innings, actually a little bit better average than Robbie Ray. Um, He's not quite as expensive, about $5 million less, plus you get two more years of team control. So you get Matthew Boyd longer. So just on on paper, Matthew Boyd instantly is more desirable than Robbie Ray for that reason and that reason alone. They're both 28 years old, and you get more control with Matt Boyd. Both left-handed, Matthew Boyd. Uh, much better war last year, 3.5. Um, his ERA a little bit higher, 4.56, but in the American League, 4.32, FIP. Good, not great. You're not crazy on that, but it would help the Angels rotation, no question about it. And I kind of see really both these guys like a little bit better versions of Andrew Heaney. Like they're, like they're very comparable to Andrew Heaney. So you're getting somebody that's that level if you're going to try to simplify that. Um, you go a little bit further down the list, Chris Archer. Um, you know, the pro on him, it wouldn't cost you a top prospect. You'd get him pretty cheap. Career 386 ERA, awesome. Two-time two, two time All-Star. You're trying to strike gold. I mean, it was only 2018 when he had a sub-4 ERA at 3.75. It wasn't like that was that long ago. And he's only had an ERA over four one other time, and that was all the way back in 2013. He's only going to cost you about $9 million, same as uh, Tehran. Uh, the Pirates—they fired the GM that brought him in, so the new GM might be more willing to part with him. His fastball still good, clocking about ninety-four. And th- the biggest thing on Chris Archer was to be—you would—you would be buying low because last year was awful. He was not good last year. Dealt with some shoulder issues at the end of last season. Uh, only twice last year he was able to get eighteen or more outs, and his ERA was over five in the National League East. So you're buying low on a pitcher that. Might return to the form that he used to have. Also might not. He might be done. I I don't know with Chris Archer. and I mean, that is a true roll of the dice right there. But it's probably not going to cost you a top prospect. The question is, are you getting somebody that's going to be a two or a three for you? Or would you be getting the Chris Archer that could end up like Matt Harvey last year? Like, it's really hard to tell. Because you're rolling the dice on somebody that used to be really good, coming off a bad year, and you're hoping to strike gold. That's what Chris Archer would be. I'm going to throw another. uh, You, Darvish, not on the table. Cubs are saying they're not trading him. I'm going to go out of the box for a second. What if the Angels didn't bring in a top frontline guy, but added Wilson Contreras and made a trade for a catcher and used the idea of bringing in a catcher to help your rotation? I mean, in terms of cash, he is not that expensive. $4.5 $4.5 million in arbitration, has two more years of team control. How about his numbers last year? Contreras, 272, 24 Homer, 64 RBI last year with the Cubs. He was a 3.1 war player. Now, I, I know that you know for some of the traditional folks out there that don't like me talking about FIP and war, those kind of things, when, when it comes to free agency and you're trying to figure this whole thing out, these are the kind of numbers that are a big part of the equation. And they mean, a, to me, they mean a whole lot more in the offseason than they do in season. That's just my take on that. However, Contreras, a 3.1 war, that would have been the third best for the Angels last year. Trout was one, Fletcher two, and Contreras would have been third. His OPS, 888, that would have been second best. Only Mike Trout had a better OPS than 888 on the Angels last year. He's only 28 years old, he's been an all star each of the last two seasons. And obviously the familiarity with Joe Madden and having that connection from Chicago, and Joe has talked about how much he loves catchers and how important that would be to bring in a top catcher to the Angels and just how critical that is to help your staff. You're basically you're you're going to help your pitching staff incrementally by bringing in Wilson Contreras. I think you're also solidifying the Angels lineup as like top one or two. Or, or top three guaranteed if you bring in Contreras. Like, there is no hole in the Angels lineup if you bring in Contreras. So you have to figure out, like, where are you going to get your runs? You know, it's it's the run prevention uh, versus the run production. And the Angels need more run prevention, guys. But, you know, maybe Contreras helps out a little bit in terms of run pre- prevention, but he helps out a lot of bit in run production. So that's something to consider, too. I think Contreras could be that. Um, you're not getting the pitcher you need. That's the con. You still need a pitcher. You're, if you if you go and you make that move for Contreras, you're not getting that guy, and it's going to be pricey. I mean, you're talking about that same list of the four or five names I've talked about before. That's what it's going to cost to get Contreras. Maybe the Cubs want Joe Adele. Maybe that's the holdup there. I don't know. But Adele would be too pricey. Now, if you do that, there's still two other guys you could go get. You could still, still go get Caleb Smith, and you're saying, who is Caleb Smith? Well, I'll tell you. Former Yankee farmhand, he's in the Miami Marlins system. He's got a couple years of big league service. A 28-year-old lefty. He is not the showstopper guy. He is not the front of the rotation guy. He's another big league depth piece that Miami might be willing to part with. Good strikeout guy. He's affordable. He's controllable. I don't think it would take a whole lot for the Angels to get him. Uh, He was a one-win player each of the last two seasons, so that's good. Um, He was better in 2018 than 2019, so you might be able to buy a little bit low on him um his era was 4.52 last year Uh, i wouldn't put him as good as bundy or teron or heaney or canning he's not that good um probably you know comparable to maybe sandoval maybe a little worse than sandoval um you're still without a frontline starting pitcher if you go get that guy but you pair him with contreras that's still a depth piece and then there's somebody else that's on the free agent market that you could go get and it's a name that's been you know kind of quiet homer bailey is still out there um he did have an a war close to two last year. Actually, Homer Bailey was about as good as you get as far as bang for your buck last season. Got the league minimum, had 13 wins, nine losses, 4.57 ERA. That's his career average. He gave you 31 starts. Uh, his FIP was awesome last year, 3.65 in his last 13 starts when he finished with the Oakland A's. He was really good. We remember seeing Homer Bailey down the stretch. He was really good for Oakland at the end last year. Um, you know, that, that, when you talk about bang for your buck, he's still at 93 miles per hour. You're going to get a lot of that. But, you know, yes, he had the 31 starts last year, but it was his first time with 30 starts since 2013. He's going to be 34. The decline is coming. If you bring somebody like that in, it's got to be on a one-year deal. He walked 53 guys last year. I'm just saying, if you were to get a Contreras, you could then add somebody like a Caleb Smith or a Homer Bailey at a low cost. It's still going to help the Angels. So that's the list. That's what's out there. If, if you're me, um, those are the things that I'm kind of looking at right now. I'd be, I'd be willing to hear your ideas as well. Send it to me at Trent Rush Sports is how you can do that. Again, there are a lot of different options for the Angels right now. Those are just some of them. Uh, but again, to me, the clear answer and the only Real frontline guy left. That would be a legitimate, there's your opening day starter guy, is Clevenger. And it's going to take a whole heck of a lot to get that guy. Maybe the Angels are willing to do it. We'll have to find out. Again, talking about some of those options for the Angels. There, there are a lot of them out there. I was just thinking, man, a, the lineup of, of having Wilson Contreras in there, and you know he's going to help the staff. And I mean, you're you're still not addressing pitching entirely. I mean, bringing in Dylan Bundy and Julio Tehran like that, that. Those are those are really good moves. I like those moves. Those are solid depth major league starters that are going to be that are relatively affordable. And there's a lot to get out of that. There are, those are two pretty savvy moves, I thought, by Angels GM, Billy Uppler. Yes, you still want that massive name. You still want to get that guy. And if you were to make the move for Wilson Contreras, you probably wouldn't be able to get that guy. But the only big name that's really out there right now um, is uh, Clevenger to me. So that, that's really the, the last like show-stopping, boom, name in the headlines, that is your opening day starter guy would probably be Clevenger. Nobody else really is doing that for me. And some of those other guys might cost a lot, but the Angels still have to address pitching and they still have to get better uh, when it comes to run prevention. There's no question about that. All right. Question is, how are the Angels going to use Shohei Ohtani in 2020? Billy Epler uh, said in a conference call the other day, says whether we start him right away or delay him a little bit, that's still on the table for discussion. So we don't know if Shohei Ohtani is going to be opening day ready. I'm fired up to see Shohei the pitcher, Shohei on the mound, back in an Angel uniform. I can't wait for that, and especially with knowing how bad the Angels need that arm on this rotation or in this rotation, it's a big deal to get Shohei Ohtani back. Halos have to get that guy. But there was even some talk about trying to find Shohei as many at-bats as possible. Now, he may only hit four days a week, but Joe Maddon talked about the possibility of maybe having Shohei Ohtani hit on the days that he pitches.
3: Love it. Love it. Doing it in the National League all the time. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's the thing you have to overcome. Just because it doesn't happen all the time, it doesn't mean it can't happen. And don't treat your guys like China dolls. They're not. Uh, he's gone through some tough moments. He's gone through his rehab. Now it's time to be a baseball player. I really, um, sometimes we do go overboard, I think, with the protection of uh, athletes and players and pitchers. Um, this guy's special. I was involved with the recruiting process with the Cubs, when we lost to the Angels at that time. Sat across from them. And I've gotten to talk to him a little bit um, out in Anaheim. Of course he needs to hit. He's that good. I think you need to figure out, auger out as often as you can get him to hit while you're not interfering with his arm recovery time. That's the key to figure out as far as I see it. So this is something I wanted to do in the minor leagues years ago. I mean I think it should be done in the minor leagues more often. Where you get a a young arm good pitcher. You don't know that he's gonna make the major leagues or not. But if the guy could really run and he shows shows some kind of uh, aptitude with the bat, why not let him DH a couple days a week when he's not pitching? Why not? Because if he washes out as a pitcher, you might be eventually have a position player on your hands based on speed or a prodigious bat. So these are the kind of things that I think need to be explored more often. The kid Lorenzen with the Reds, outstanding. Great great idea with them. He's a Fullerton guy too. Um, there's more of that out there. If, 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 um, if organizations would permit it. The other thing I'm into, I'm into Winter Ball. I think Winter Ball should create a comeback. If you, want, if you want to see a better game, a more complete game let the guys go play winter ball I would love to see like each organization get five or six guys every winter that they like and send them to the Dominican or uh, re- reinvent the, uh, the league in Puerto Rico or Mexico I know Venezuela is tough right now but if you want to see a, a, a an uptick have guys play baseball and compete working out in a gym in front of a camera all the time is not necessarily going to teach you how to compete
2: well, there's a lot to unpack there, and that's Joe Madden talking at the winter meetings. Um, a lot to unpack there, but regarding Shohei Ohtani pitching or hitting on days that he's pitching, the Angels would have to forego the DH. And what that is, it's all fine and dandy until Ohtani comes out of the game. So if you're going to have Shohei do that, yes, you're probably getting three more at bats out of the guy, but he better give just seven innings. Like you, you better get seven innings out of Shohei Ohtani. And I have a very, very strong belief that Joe Madden is going to have a longer leash with his starting pitchers than what the Angels have had in recent years. I do think that we are going to see Angel starters go deeper into games. For one, he's got guys that are more equipped to do that. I mean, you talk about last year, the only guy that was equipped to go deeper into games was Andrew Heaney. You really had nobody else. Like, Angels are going to be careful with Griffin Canning. I think they'll probably be a little bit less careful with him this coming season than years past just because he's got a year under his belt at the major league level, but you know, they're still gonna be careful with the guy. And you bring in Tehran, who's proven that he can be a you know, a durable arm. You have Dylan Bundy who's proven he can be a durable arm. It's giving you a lot of starts. They can go deeper into games. The Angels, you know, have improved in that sense. But if you're gonna do that where you forgo your designated hitter ability to have show a hit, well, yeah, he better go deeper into games because when you forego the DH, you don't get the DH back when Otani comes out of the game. That means that when he's replaced by you know, any any reliever, at that point, that reliever then has to hit. I mean, if Ty Butchery is the pitcher that comes in for it, Ty Buttrey then would be in the slot. So then it becomes like a National League game when you have to pinch hit for that guy. And then you're really happy you have Tommy Lestella on your team, by the way. Best pinch hitter in all of baseball. So... When you're looking at these kind of, like, maybe Joe wants to make it a National League game at times. Now, Billy Epler has kind of said in some of the meetings that, you know, hey, you know, this is, we'll we'll talk about this. We'll see, because I don't think that this is something that Epler would necessarily sign up for. But maybe, maybe, just maybe, Joe Madden wants to say, hey, we need more at-bats from Shohei Otani. Now, granted, this was before the Rendon signing, where the Angels needed to have that bat in the lineup every day or at least as much as possible. You know, having Shohei Ohtani in the lineup as much as possible is still a good thing for the Angels, but maybe it's not necessarily quite as important as it was before the Angels got it done again. These are just things to consider. This is the kind of the time of year you can start to think about those things and uh, how are the Angels going to handle Shohei Ohtani? We can go a little bit deeper to that in coming episodes when we get a little bit more clarity as to what his schedule could potentially be. But I like the idea of being creative with one of the most unique players or the most unique player in all of baseball. It's exciting. I can't wait to see it. We get Shohei, the dual threat player, back finally. Shohei at the bat and Shohei on the mound. I'm fired up for that. Uh, we went through all of the options uh, that are really possibilities for the Angels right now when it comes to improving the starting rotation, what the Angels can do to get better. Yes, I would like to see the Angels, if they have the wiggle room towards the end of the uh, offseason to try to add a relief pitcher, that would be nice. But again, I like the Angels' bullpen as it is. If starters... Can go deeper into games. That's going to be the biggest thing. If you help the rotation, the rotation is the lifeblood of your team. If you help your rotation, it's going to help uh, your bullpen as well. So I- I'm looking forward uh, to that. No question about it. And, you know, maybe it means making that trade for Wilson Contreras. I know I was asked earlier in the show about the catching situation. What catchers I like. If Wilson Contreras isn't the guy. The guy I like next is Jason Castro. I I really like Jason Castro, and I think that if the Angels decide to target one of the bigger-name pitchers, then I think that they could go with Castro, and I think you'd be really happy with that, especially as Max Stassi continues to recover. I think Castro would help this team immensely. I'm not even that worried about what he would do. Uh, From the hitting perspective, I care about Jason Castro as a defensive catcher, and he would help this rotation in a big way. I am really confident in that. Uh, Somebody that knows a thing or two about pitching, would be our next guest and uh, we recorded this uh, the other day uh, so there might be a a little bit that's dated because we were talking about Hyunjin Ryu and Dallas Keuchel in there Uh, but we had a conversation with Mark Langston and here now is our chat with Angels pitching great and great broadcaster here's Langer Oh, we are joined now by one of the great Angel pitchers in franchise history and one of the great broadcasters in Angels history as well. He's the current radio man, play uh, does the color for Angels Radio. Mark Langston is joining us right now. What's up, Langer? How are you? Fred, former partner. I'm doing well. How That's are right, you? That's right, yes. <laughs> we had some fun <laughs> there in, uh, in Texas that weekend last season. All right, uh, we have gotten a chance to see a lot of you this offseason i know you are known for going dark but i've seen you like three times you're already this offseason we saw you out for joe madden and we saw you for anthony Rendon. i know you were out and about uh just last week uh at some angels functions as well i want to know what is the offseason typically like for you mark you know the offseason for me
4: you used to be playing a little bit of golf but it would mix in some golf but this is a different winter for me obviously my little Pickup that I had at the end of the season has caused me to uh, not play golf for this winter, and I'll be ready to roll for next winter. So usually that's involved, but uh, you know, spending time with the family, uh, it's a long season. It's a, it's a grind of a season, uh, and so it's just kind of hanging out with the family, getting used to uh, doing on the routine stuff that uh, you remember as a player.
2: Yeah, I I got a lot to ask about regarding uh, what happened at at the end of the season, but I want to talk a little bit of Angels baseball first because it was pretty cool, I thought, that when Joe Madden goes to the podium, the very first name that he mentions is yours and wanting to talk about bringing back the alumni and bringing back the Angel culture. As you were sitting there in the seats for that press conference, thinking about that in that moment, what was going through your mind?
4: You know, I, I've known Joe Madden since 1980 when I was on a, a in college. I was on a summer league team, and Joe was a player coach. He actually caught me in 1980 on that team. And we, we were star-studded. We had Joe Carter, Tony Gwynn, Spike Owen, uh, Bobby Meacham. But we, we had a lot of really good players on that team, and Joe was one of the player coaches. So that was my first introduction to Joe. Obviously, when I signed with the Angels, and kind of reuniting with Joe in spring training. And then obviously when he got called up to the big leagues, I was so excited for this guy because he spent his entire career in the Angels organization, trying to get to the big league level. Uh, And when he finally got there, it it was really exciting, obviously for him, but for me too, because I've been around Joe for such a long time. And one of the first things, Joe came out with number 70, and that is where I went, Joe, stop nobody wears <laughs> 70 at the big league level. And Rex Hudler, my good buddy Hud, was right there to chime in. Uh, and, and he kind of explained it a little bit, and then it totally makes sense the, the way that it kind of plays out, as we're seeing now with Anthony Rendon now joined the Angels. David Fletcher's a man without a number. He's now 22, but he was number six. And that was kind of the thing that Joe Madden went on, said, hey, he wanted 20, but he knows that 20 – Players are going to want that. Nobody's going to want 70. So it was really fun to, uh, to sit there and listen to his press conference. Uh, and, you know, I went out with Joe the night before, kind of reminisced a little bit. And uh, you know, I, I know what he's capable of doing. We've seen his track record with uh, the Tampa Bay Rays and obviously with the Cubs. He has been a winner everywhere he's been. He was that way with the Angels. Always that positive uh, mindset that he brings to the ballpark on a daily basis. I can't wait for these guys. I was kind of telling David Fletcher about it going man, You don't have a clue what you're about to get with Joe Madden. He will make you so much better.
2: Yeah, that was one of the things, I mean, you and I have talked about this a lot, and you know, especially second half of last year, um, you know, trying to figure out what kind of moves are the Angels going to make, and then we get the news about Brad Ausmus after the season and just trying to figure out what was going to be next. And I know that Joe Mann's name was on the radar for a long time. What are some of the things that you think he can do that can help make an impact right away for this Angels organization?
4: Just by listening to what he said, you know, he is a guy that he wants to change the narrative of the way baseball is played in today's game. He's all about the analytics, and he was about that. He was one of the original guys that I always remembered. He was was the first-base coach originally for the Angels, and he kept a stopwatch in his back pocket, and he would time everybody running to first base, and he would put that on the board, the best times of the day. He, He was psychologically getting guys to go, you know what, I'm going to beat my best time today. All of a sudden, he plays those little mind games that you don't even realize what's going on. Next, you know, guys are you know flying down the line, they're turning back looking at Joe going, what was my time? You know, so just by those kind of little things, obviously he's talked about, you know, being aggressive on the base pass. That was something that, you know, Mike Socia did such a good job with. Uh, and I think Joe had seen, you know, how powerful that is to be aggressive on the base pass to really put pressure on defenses. I think you're going to see that. He's talked about it. Uh, pitchers. Pitchers need to go deeper into games. You know how much I'm a big fan of that. I, I would love to yep. see it. And I think you're, you're going to see a different mindset from that regard. I don't think you're going to see the openers, uh, you, you know, on a consistent basis like we saw last year. I think you're going to see more of these guys uh, going deeper into games and trying to push these guys. And it's going to be on a case-by-case basis to where maybe not the sheet as it's scripted out. Joe's going to be have more of a touchy-feel thing added to it. But I think just the psychological aspect what he's going to bring to these players is going to be
2: huge. Talking with Mark Langston right now. Mark, that was actually one of the points I was bringing up or I have brought up on this show regarding, you know, pitchers going deeper into games and part of what – I mean, I think Joe Madden is going to allow, even if it's the current setup as it is at this moment, those guys are going to pitch deeper into games. I can totally see that happening. But should the Angels be able to bring in another big-name pitcher – and somebody else that can help lead this rotation, for me, that's something I think is going to help this bullpen out tremendously because this was a middle-of-the-road bullpen last year by baseball standards that was absolutely crushed, like, the amount of usage that they had last year. So that's something for me, like, people are saying, oh, you got to fix the bullpen, you got to fix the bullpen. For me, I, I think that if it's a starting rotation that gets better, that also is managed better, I think there's an opportunity for this staff to actually be pretty good. Yeah, I agree. I couldn't agree with you more. That uh, I thought this bullpen was actually a pretty good bullpen
4: early in the season, but the amount of usage, as you just talked about, that's going to take its toll, and it did take its toll. We saw a lot of the second-half performances on guys. You know, your Ty Butchery comes to mind immediately, where Ty Buttrey was pitching in games that uh, you were just kind of scratching your head a few times. going, man, why? this guy has been such a dominant guy. Uh, why would he be in, the, in a game in this type of situation? Uh, I agree. It, it, to me, it's, you want to give, you want to make your bullpen better. You need rotation pieces that can get deeper into games and give those guys the adequate time off. Obviously, with Otani going to be back in this rotation, that is going to be a big help. Uh, but this, they need starting pitching. I don't think there's. Obviously, it's not a secret. Everybody in the game of baseball realizes the Angels have improved their lineup with Own, but pitching is first and foremost. I think if they can get a couple more key guys in this rotation, they need two key guys in this rotation towards the top of this rotation. Everything else slots accordingly, and it will make this bullpen, which I thought it was a good bullpen. It's not maybe the, the top bullpen in baseball, but I think it's better than the numbers showed. Uh, but the work usage that these guys had to go through last
2: year just took its toll. Yeah, Mark, I think we're totally on the same page when it comes to that. Um, I, I am curious because I haven't gotten your thoughts on this yet. When the Angels sign Anthony Rendon, you're putting two of arguably the top five hitters in baseball back to back in the lineup. What's your takeaway uh, on the uh, Rendon signing? Yeah, you know, and you
4: know, the Angels went really hard on Garrett Cole the night before. They really went hard. Garrett Cole had his mind made up. We're seeing it now. Uh, Every time Derek Cole talks about he he was going to be a Yankee, no matter what was involved, and that's how it kind of played out. The Angels pivoted. Who was the next best player out there? And it was Anthony Rendon. And immediately, already went out there and took care of business and got Rendon in the fold. And knows he's got to add pitching. But when you add a guy like Rendon, you, you talk about a dynamic player and an impact player. Now. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking in my head personally how you get to how you in the gap navigate your way through trout and Rendon. Both these guys do not expand the strike zone, uh, and they're both guys that are, have ability to hit the ball out of the ballpark. They go the other direction. They kind of do what the at bat calls for. So it, it's going to be fun just to see those two guys. And then you obviously you add Otani in there, and I think Justin Upton is going to be you know, have a bounce back season. Obviously, the injuries were a big part of Upton last year. So uh, th- there's some firepower in this lineup. But adding a guy like Rendon, not only offensively, but defensively as a pitcher, my first love is my defense. Uh, and obviously, Angelton Simmons has always been my guy, my man crush. But now you've got a defender on that left side at third base who is almost every bit as good as Simba. Uh, it-, it is going to be a pitcher's dream. To me, these guys should all be learning how to throw a stinker, try to keep the ball on the ground and hit it to one of these guys.
2: <laughs> of course, the seven-time gold glover and pitcher loves a great defense behind him. Of course, uh, that's the case. Talking with Mark Langston right now here on Halo's Hot Snow over the Angels Recap Podcast. Uh, all right, Mark, I, I want to know just your your take on uh, being a broadcaster now. And you've been doing this for a few years. What's it been, six, seven years now? You've been a part of the Angels radio network uh, broadcast team and you got a chance to spend so much time with terry smith and i know it's a grind being on the road as much as you are but i'm kind of curious just to hear from you just how much do you enjoy doing this
4: yeah somebody asked me this question the other day and uh you know going you know gosh how'd you do it through that season last year and this is what i told them. I said, here's the deal. The, the beautiful thing about the game of baseball is every day you show up, you do not know what you're going to see. NBA, a lot, most of the time you'll, you're going to see that when the best players are on the floor, you kind of know how the outcome is going to turn out. Football similar. Uh, baseball, you don't know what is going to happen. You could show up, you could see Mike Trout make one of the, the spectacular defensive plays that he's made in his career or have that big clutch hit that he's had. Seen so many memorable moments that Albert's been able to give us. Obviously, Otani, the excitement that he brings. Uh, I, I think that's the part that I've always loved about the game of baseball. Every day is different. That's what makes this job so unique. Is it's even though the Angels didn't play as well as you would hope that they would have last year, it still was exciting to show up to the ballpark to watch again the best player in the game of baseball, Mike Trout, with Shohei involved in there. Uh, and now you're going to throw Anthony Rendon in there. Uh, it, it, it's, it's just exciting to me on a daily basis. Yes, it's a very long season. But as you know, Trent, you've been involved, you've been around us. We have a blast. We have a really good time in that booth. We've been known as the, the funnest radio booth in baseball. We, we have a really <laughs> good time up there. Uh, and, you know, we, we, we have a blast. And I think that uh, is part of
2: it. We show up. Uh, and have a good time, and we enjoy being around each other. Well, that's for me, that's the best part of the whole thing. It, it's the relationships, right? I mean, obviously, you and Terry spent a ton of time together and with Jorge Sevilla as well. Pollo, the three of you are the three amigos going around the country uh, touring around talking baseball. But then, you know, especially at home games, you get fish talk before the game when Tim Salmon comes in. And, I mean, I just love being a sponge when you guys are talking and you get the Mark Gubazod drop-ins on a regular basis. <laughs> I mean, it, it is it is really fun in there. I mean, it's, it, it, uh, is that something that, like, by design, you're like, hey, we're here. Let's make sure that this is just a fun atmosphere. Is is that part of something that you do by design, or do you think it just kind of naturally happens?
4: You know, I, I'm a guy that likes to have fun. So, you know, I, I think this is a a it's a game. You do your prep work. Terry does so much prep work before the game and in the offseason, and so do I. I love the prep work stuff. It, it reminds me so much of prep, prepping for a start. So I, I love getting into – The numbers and what potentially could play out in the game today. But, you know, you show up, and it's just fun to be around guys that you really like. Anytime you're around, uh, you know, really good people, you can have fun. And and I'm a guy that likes to kind of keep it as relaxed as possible in that booth. And, uh, you know, when you're up there, we we have a great time. When Tim Salmon shows up, you know, that is priceless. A lot of times it has nothing to do with the game of baseball. It can have something to do with – you know, fishing or or some other wild thing that Tim Salmon has been out doing. So uh, it, it's fun. And I think, you know, that's what it's – I think that's what comes across sometimes. And I've heard that from people on the broadcast that, you know, we do have a good time. And I'm the one – Terry is right down the middle. I'm the one that's maybe off center a little bit, uh, a little bit goofy. But uh, I, I've always enjoyed just being around Terry and listening to Terry. You know, I, I get caught up into listening and make calls also, so – uh, a very difficult job that he that Terry does. You had you stepped in for a game. You know how much and how things speed up in that in the game of baseball, uh, and it's it's just fun to be around uh, you know Terry and watching his professionalism on a daily basis.
2: Yeah, it is. Uh, it is something to see, and as somebody that you know is working hard to one day do play-by-play at the major league level, I, I certainly can just speak on, on learning from Terry Smith is just an unbelievable treat. I hope that he gets to do it for a very, very long time. I hope you guys keep doing it together for a long time. Mark, I want to go back to Houston and talk about that last uh, trip of the season, and obviously, I know that that can bring back um, some memories that are tough. But at the end of the day, my takeaway from how awful that whole experience was is I got to see you, a friend of mine, be showered in unbelievable love. And it was just cool to see the impact uh, that you have made and continue to make on so many people. Um, Can you walk me through a little bit what that experience was like and knowing just, just how awful it could have been and what ended up resulting?
4: Yeah, I mean, it is, uh, you know, it's a life-changing experience. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You go through life. I've never taken one day for granted in my life. I I am a believer that I trust God's timing. I trust God's master plan, and I set my my foundation on that. So uh, it's not like I've ever taken a day for granted, but it was just I just got done with the lineups. I threw it back to Terry, and I could hear him. He thanks me. I hear him talking about Zach Granke, who was the starting pitcher that night. I looked to the on-deck circle. David Fletcher was taking the donut off the bat, and then that is it. I don't remember anything else. And by God's grace and mercy, the, the surroundment i was surrounded by, uh, by God on that. He had his hands all over this from the standpoint, uh, immediately, uh, the, the way this plays out is the only reason we're sitting here talking at this moment. Uh, the two police officers that were dining right behind me uh, were in there immediately because Jorge went out into the hallway and was able to get them into the room. They started CPR on me quickly. They were on the walkie-talkie getting the EMTs in there. They brought the defibrillator in and uh, about four and a half, five minutes. Uh, I had no pulse. And all of a sudden they put the defibrillator on, shocked me back. The one thing I do remember is, you know, I don't know who it was, if it was the paramedics. I assumed it was the paramedics screaming at me, breathe, you need to breathe, you've got to breathe. I remember that, and I remember uh, a mask being put on my face. Don't really remember the ambulance ride over to the hospital. uh, But then kind of once I got to the hospital, I kind of started to come to Angel Security, Chuck Knight, was in the room with me, and he kind of explained. I had no idea what had happened, and he explained to me kind of what was going on. Uh, and then from that point, you know, they ran all the tests and trying to figure out what was going on. I had ventricular fibrillation that was going on, which is a fatal rhythm uh, that you're on the clock as soon as it starts. But thank goodness again that the, the the people were around me. In almost any other scenario that you can come up with, it's it's not a good outcome. So uh, it, it, the way it turned out, and you, were, you couldn't have hit it on the head any better, by talking about the blessing and, and all the, everybody that was around uh, and all the love that I received and the prayers that I received, uh, it, it was overwhelming to me. My phone was, it took me days in the hospital to kind of get back to everybody. But uh, it, it was a, a, a weird, bizarre scenario that, uh, I, you know, I am grateful that uh, I get extra time.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'll just tell you. Just sitting here now, I mean, I still am, am like kind of getting goosebumps about the whole thing, and it just takes me back to to just how scary that whole uh, whole thing was. Um, I am um, I am interested to know how are you feeling now? Are things are things going all right? Yeah,
4: it, this is the weird thing about this. You know, I went from basically, you know, to where I wasn't going to be around. To I felt like three hours later, once the game ended and people started coming from the ballpark over to the emergency room. Uh, Victor Rojas was one of the first guys in there, and, it, and I, I felt like I had taken a little nap, which I did, and I kind of woke up. <laughs> and from that point on, I, I, I am not lying, I have felt perfect from that point on. So uh, one thing that I had, uh, talking to the electrophysiologist. Uh, he said, could this be a one-time event? They ran all the tests, and they cannot pinpoint why this event occurred. And they said, yes, it could be a one-time event. Uh, but the fact that you, it's happened once, we kind of recommend putting a defibrillator in. Uh, and so that my wife was screaming, he will not leave this hospital until he gets that device put in. So now I have a, a, a parting gift from the city of Houston, a nice little defibrillator. So this event, <laughs> if it does reoccur, I, I do have the ability, uh, something will shock my heart and, and kind of hopefully you know, bring it back
2: quickly. Oh man, that whole experience is crazy. That's funny. A parting gift. I think they owe you a key to the city, Mark Langston. Come on now, it's a, the defibrillator. Yeah. I, I think will uh, serve a much better purpose. Uh, I will say that. Yeah, Hopefully, no. it never does. Hopefully, it never happens. Yeah, I owe them.
4: I owe them more than they owe me. That's for sure. If uh, you know uh, Paul Polis and Darren Edwards, the two Houston police officers who were on me quickly. That, you know, they kept me from any brain damage, and uh, and really were the. the the key to my survival. No question.
2: Amazing. Just amazing. We're talking with Mark Langston right now. So I guess that brings me to, are, are you going to continue the same schedule next year? Are you going to keep doing all the games? Yeah. I, 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 once
4: again, I, there is no uh, recourse for this whole ordeal. I've been cleared by all the, uh, all the medical people that I've been around that I, they have said, there's you're just go about your routine. I've been doing my, normal off-season conditioning stuff that I would normally do and I've had no issues. So, um, yeah, everything is on schedule to to hit the 2020 season uh, running, and I've looked, I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, there's some more work in the off-season for the Angels, but I am really excited about what's around
2: the corner. You know what this is, Mark? This is just a very elaborate plan to get out of playing golf with me. I know that that's what this is really all <laughs> about. Come on now. No, but seriously, I'm looking forward to this uh, 2020 campaign, too. Looking forward to you and Terry uh, calling the games this coming season, just how exciting uh, this team can be. Um, uh, uh, Last thing for me, I'm going to put you in the shoes of GM Billy Epler. What kind of moves would you like to see next? I know pitching is everything, but uh, is that enough for the Angels right now? You know, their
4: needs right now uh, are obviously – pitching and starting pitching they need to really shore that up we talked about how much if you can get some really good rotation pieces and there's a couple guys out there obviously there's Ryu still out there uh and keichel still out there those two guys are uh our front end rotation pieces and have had a lot of success in the past uh and can really bolster a a rotation and certainly with Dallas Keuchel, to me, a guy that has the ability to get the ball and get it on the ground, he is a really high ground ball rate pitcher. That's going to play into his hands with the defense that the Angels are able to put out there. They obviously need catching. That's another uh, scenario that they're going to play out. And I know Billy Epler and his his entire staff is uh, they are believe me, they are turning over all the stones as we speak, and the, and they are. Believe when you bring in Joe Madden and you sign uh, Rendon to his deal, you're not going to just stop there. You're going to continue to go forward, and this team is going to go forward. They want to get back to the postseason and put position themselves uh, to once you get in the postseason. We saw it last year, the Washington Nationals, a wild card team, winning it all. So uh, you get to the postseason. Uh, a lot of things can happen. So uh, I think that's going to be their focus, rotation, and then get uh, somebody from behind the plate.
2: Langer, I love it. Hey, thank you so much for doing this and spending some time with us. I know it's a really busy time of year. So uh, to uh, get on the phone with us and join us here on Halo's Hot Stove and the Angels Recap Podcast, I can't thank you enough. And I'm really looking forward to seeing you soon and uh, hopefully uh, really, really exciting times ahead for the Halos. I hear you, Trent. Anytime. Always great talking with you. We always have a blast.
4: Uh, on a daily basis once the season starts. And uh, I'm sure if, if I don't see you this off season, I will see you in spring training out in Tempe.
2: All right, sounds good. That's Mark Langston here on the Angels Recap Podcast in Halo's Hot Stove. Thanks, Mark. Absolutely love that dude. Mark Langston is the best. By the way, speaking of spring training, we found out that Angels pitchers and catchers will be reporting On February 11th, yes, get your pen out, get your calendars out. You want to write this down. February 11th, Angels pitchers and catchers report. The first workout will be coming up on February 12th. The full team will report on February 16th with the first full squad workout. February 17th. So pitchers and catchers don't make any Valentine's Day plans. You got to get that done ahead of time. Uh, February 11th, pitchers and catchers report and the uh, first full squad workout will be February 17th. All in Tempe. My gosh, it's really not even that far away now that we get to it. So Angels fans, join us at spring training to watch your Halos in Arizona. Single game groups and season seats for spring training are on sale now. Visit angels.com spring or dial 888-796-HALO today and join us down at Tempe Diablo Stadium for Angels Spring Training. Even though we're getting ready for the start of 2020, I do think it's important to reflect back on the 2019 season. And the 2019 season was one that really, I mean, when you think about it, probably rock bottom in so many ways uh, for this organization. Not just the 90 losses, but a one-and-done manager. And obviously, uh, what I think we'll all remember 2019 for most as the passing of Tyler Skaggs and all that um, has been a part of that um, on the high side, you know we remember July twelfth and the no hitter the Angels threw, and Taylor Cole and Felix Pena combined for that, and just how amazing that day was. But also the low of how devastating July first was. But there were some great moments as well. We want to highlight those. So without further ado, here now are the top ten plays of 2019 time now for a look back at this season in angels baseball here are our top 10 plays of the year number 10 we begin september 7th of the angels in chicago for a saturday night showtime yeah Shohei otani started the game with a two-run double in the first then he came back up in the third this time with two on
1: here's the next pitch otani lifts a high fly ball that's carrying deep out there into left field and that ball is out of here Boy, Shohei's having a big night. That's a three-run homer. He's already driven in five runs in this ball game, and the Angels have broken the tie on that three-run homer and lead it 5-2. to two.
2: Five RBI form, good enough for a new career high, also the most RBI by a Japanese-born player since Ichiro drove in as many back in 2012.
3: Number 9.
2: Let's go back to August 20th in Texas, the makeup game from the July 1st contest that was postponed due to the passing of Tyler Skaggs. And fittingly, his buddy Andrew Heaney tossed his best game of the season. The lino to Shields goes down swinging. Fans of the one-two pitch, a fastball blown right by him, and Andrew Heaney now has 10 strikeouts, matching his season best. And that time, Andrew Heaney got him a new career high for Heaney, 13 strikeouts. Eight one-hit shutout frames for Heaney, plus he saw his ERA drop .45 points in that game. Yeah, special afternoon for sure in game one of the doubleheader, the only game the Angels would win on that road trip.
0: Number eight.
2: Now there was one team the Angels really had no trouble with this year. That would be the Dodgers. Yes, the Angels went 4-0 against the rivals in blue this season, thanks in large part to two huge throws on July 23rd. First, Mike Trout looking to gun down Max Muncy in the second.
1: Elbow and hip problem last year. There's one. He lines just out of the reach of Simmons. That ball's going to fall in the center. Breaking for the plate. Throw by Trout. It's going to be in time to... Gunned down the base runner, Muncie.
2: 98.6 miles per hour on that throw. Saves a run. Trout homer in that game as well. In fact, so did Cole Calhoun, who showed off his arm with two outs in the ninth. The Dodgers with a chance to tie the game.
1: Next pitch. That's sliced into right field. That's a base hit. Cole Calhoun is going to fire to the plate. Bellinger heading home. The throw's in time. And he is out. Cole Calhoun.
2: And that's how the Angels would win the game, beat the Dodgers 5-4 in L.A.
1: Number 7.
2: So for Mike Trout, his arm, not the only elite defensive asset, early in the season, two of the best players in baseball went mono a mano here at the Big A with Milwaukee in town, and Christian Jelic tried to go deep, and Mike Trout had a little different idea.
1: Here's the pitch. This is hit well in the center field. Trout is going back. He's out on the warning track. He jumps up, and he takes a home run away. Wow, we're seeing some plays in the outfield by both of these MVPs right here. One MVP takes one away from another, robs him of a home run.
2: There's some MVP on MVP crime right there. Angels would go on to sweep the Brew Crew in the three-game set.
3: Number six.
2: Now, in case you haven't noticed, Yes, there's quite a bit of Mike Trout on this list, and we think rightfully so. I mean, he did win the MVP for the third time this year. And here he is on September 5th in Oakland, little did we know, going deep for the last time in 2019.
1: Here's the pitch. He swings at that one and lifts the ball high, and that ball is deep out into center field. It is of here. Boy, he clears things out there in center. That was a blast. That'll be interesting to find out the tail of the tape on that one. Mike Trout's 45th home run of the season, and the Angels add on, it's now 4-1. That thing was a bomb to center field.
2: 455 feet for his 45th home run of the season. And yeah, 45 does seem fitting, especially this year. Number five. This is one of the best defensive plays of the year and one of many reasons why we are sure going to miss Cole Calhoun in Angels Red. Here he is on August the 8th at Fenway Park with Jose Moda sitting in for Terry Smith. Hit hard right side. Calhoun giving chase. Rawhold dives in. He makes an outstanding catch of flying rojo alive and flying here in new england wow super cole went superman style for that grab just phenomenal angels would end up losing that game and split the series with the red sox and like i said before we will no doubt be missing cole calhoun but we do wish cole all the best wherever his next spot is and thanks cole for great memories and leadership over your eight years in
0: anaheim number four
2: History was made back on May the 9th. That's when Albert Pujols joined one of baseball's most exclusive clubs. You know, in 2017, it was 600 home runs. In 2018, 3,000 hits. And earlier this year, 2,000 runs batted in.
1: Here's the next pitch. And this ball is blasted deep down the left field side. And this one is out of here. Way out of here. Albert with home run number six this season. Well, Albert Pujols is in the 600 home run club, the 3,000 hit club, and today he joins the 2,000 RBI club.
2: Albert joins Hank Aaron and Alex Rodriguez, the only players in history with 600 home run, 3,000 hits, and 2,000 RBI. Just a special, special moment for a special person and player. Three straight years of milestones for the machine, and hopefully many more to come. Number three. Speaking of history, Shohei Ohtani made some back on June 13th. First, Ohtani homered in the first inning from Tampa Bay. Then Shohei doubled in the third, only to triple in the fifth. So at the time Ohtani came back up to the plate in the seventh, he only needed a single for the cycle. Here's the next pitch. There's a shot in the right center. That's going to drop in for a base hit.
1: Ohtani will make a turn and stop at first base, and he is just hit for the cycle. He did it on a two-strike pitch. Shohei Otani, the first Japanese-born player to ever hit for the cycle in a major league game. How about that?
2: Just remarkable. So happy for Shohei, even in a year that was difficult for him, too, rehabbing from Tommy John surgery. I just can't wait to see Shohei on the mound as well coming up in 2020. Number two. You know, we can talk about the losses and the injuries, but nothing comes close to match how this season changed back on July 1st. I don't need to go into how much the passing of Tyler Skaggs affected everybody. You already know that. That's part of what made this moment so special. The first home game after Tyler passed away on July 12th and Mike Trout at the plate, and here's
1: the pitch on Mike Trout, and he blasts one deep out into left center field. Trout out here. First pitch, the Trout sees a blast out there, just to the left of the rock pile. Mike Trout's 29th home run of the season, a no doubter, and it's two nothing Angels.
2: 454 feet, so fitting, and not a dry eye in the house. Just minutes after Debbie Skaggs had tossed a perfect first pitch. We had that 45-second moment of silence. Trout would end up finishing the year with 45 home runs, and as amazing as that moment was it wasn't even the top play of that night. Number one. There was clearly something greater in play here at Angel Stadium on that July evening. Some called it divine intervention, others saying they felt Tyler in the building, but after Taylor Cole opened with two perfect innings, the Seattle Mariners were still hitless against Felix Pena with two outs in the ninth inning.
1: Next delivery, it's grounded to Hifo. has the ball bounce away, recovers, throws, and the ball game is over. The Angels have no hit Seattle tonight here at the Big A. 13 to nothing, the final on a night where the Angels honored Tyler Skaggs. Every single Angel player wearing his number and name on the back of their uniforms. A no hitter tonight against the Mariners.
2: Just unbelievable to think about that, and you remember where you were when that happened. I still get goosebumps thinking about it, and I talked about this on Angels Recap at the time. That night, uh, I was fortunate enough to be on the field when that happened, and I remembered I was going to go interview Dustin Garneau, and I'm talking with Dustin, and we had started our interview, and in the corner of my eye, I could see these players going to the mound, taking off their jerseys, leaving them on the mound there, and I just told Dustin, I said, Dustin, I said, hey, you got to go. And he was trying to be polite to finish the interview. I said, no, we'll finish this later. You go do that. Be with your team. And just how special that moment was just to stand there and watch it happen. There was not a dry eye in the ballpark that night. Just absolutely unforgettable. You know, there were a couple of other things that happened in 2019 that there wasn't really a highlight for it, but I mean, you think about 2019 and just how disappointing The year was in so many ways, but there was also a lot to be optimistic about and a lot of progress, and I think about the Mike Trout extension before the season began. I think about the hiring of Joe Madden and how exciting that press conference was I think about the most recent press conference that we just had a little over a week ago, bringing in Anthony Rendon, and what a big deal that is. I think that that is being lost by some Angels fans right now because there is such a need for pitching. But the Angels didn't just get an ordinary baseball player. They got one of the top five players in the game. They brought in Anthony Rendon. It's a big, big deal having this guy. Anyone that watched the World Series knows how great this guy is, and boy am I glad he's with Mike Trout in this Angels lineup. You can argue Rendon is a top-five hitter in all of baseball. I mean, some people are saying, man, there is not a better one-two punch than Mike Trout and Anthony Rendon in a lineup, and I would agree with that. And overall, when I'm looking at the Angels lineup, I, I legitimately see this Um, as being a top three lineup in baseball, you know, and and there's a lot of good lineups, but I mean, the Yankees have a great lineup. The Astros have a great lineup. You know, Minnesota Twins, they have a really good lineup. The Dodgers, obviously as well but the angels are right there with all of those teams and if they get the right pieces clicking and you see the bounce back from justin upton and and david fletcher continues to improve like he can and has shown that uh, he can do that plus you you bring in tommy listella back a healthy listella if his season in 2020 can be anywhere close to the first half of 2019 that's a really special player and that might not even be an everyday guy uh, for Tommy Lastella Albert Pujols was still a 296 hitter last year with runners in scoring position it was really good with men on base drove in a lot of runs he was still productive and now Albert's a guy that's going to be in the back half of your lineup and, and there's a lot less expected of him it's really fun to put all these things together and to what uh, to, to just evaluate what Anthony Rendon means to the lineup is a significant deal, plus what he brings on the defensive side. And that's going to help the Angels in their search of finding starting pitching. Uh, I had a conversation with Scott Boris uh, on Saturday, and one of the things that you know Scott and I were talking about was that – you know, bringing in Anthony Rendon is going to open a lot of eyes for starting pitchers out of the market. And they're saying, hey, I want to pitch for the Angels. I want to pitch in Anaheim because you know how good the defense is going to be behind you, especially on that left side with any Anthony Rendon and Andrelton Simmons, who perennially is a top defensive player in the sport. So that's pretty fun to consider. I'll say this, though, more than anything else, I love the person that Anthony Rendon is, and I don't know him super well, but uh, I've talked to some other people that do know him better than I do. Uh, they love him. In my brief time, I got a chance to spend with him on Saturday. Uh, it was a tremendous first impression. Really, really excited about Anthony Rendon. He just fits that angel mode, um, angel mold in so many ways, and that's something that Artie Moreno talked about at the press conference on Saturday. Uh, I do want to get some of Artie's comments. We'll get to that uh, now because um, – one of the things that already was asked about was just to describe his emotions. I mean, it was a roller coaster of a week in San Diego. I guess I'll have to talk about that too, because going through that from the media perspective, we're trying to, you know, sort all this stuff out and, you know, who's in and, and who are the Angels out on and, and what's happening with all these big names are really active, really exciting winter meetings, made it for a lot of fun. But I would imagine that if you're Angels Management, because you know, I know how Angels fans are feeling, that It could have been quite a roller coaster if you're the Angels, thinking, okay, well, you know, we want Garrett Cole, but, you know, maybe Steven Strasburg's the fallback. Well, Strasburg falls off, and then Garrett Cole ends up saying he's going to the Yankees, and then you have to say, okay, well, what do we do now? Well, it turns out that the Angels were in on Anthony Rendon the whole time, because even though everyone is saying the Angels, you know, pitching is the need, yes, that's obvious. Pitching is the need. But getting a great hitter is a need as well. And Anthony Rendon fits that in a big way. And uh, here's already just talking about his emotions. And now he went through last week at the winter meetings, uh, figuring out who is going to be the next angel.
5: Carol and I were here last Sunday and had a meeting with Scott and his people and, uh, and Cole. Scott's down there I asked uh, Scott if he would remain in the room and I could have a one-on-one with him. and I just said that uh, I really focused on Rendon and uh, that that really was a high priority of us so I I, I believe the message got to uh, Anthony and and his wife you know we're pretty focused on both those players we need pitching and uh, that was a priority and you know, having uh, Anthony Rendon an opportunity to come here also uh, was one of our focuses.
2: And it makes a lot of sense because Mike Trout has never had legitimate protection. And we can talk about the pitching all day long. And we're going to do that because that is the focus for the Angels right now. But to say that the Angels didn't also need Rendon, I think is a little misguided. I know pitching's the a priority. But this is, too, because even though the Angels lineup had potential last year, like the the first half of last season, the Angels had a top five lineup in the American League. Um, but that ended up falling off when Tommy Lestella got hurt and there were, you know, Simmons had his extended time where he was out, and then Mike Trout basically missed all of September. The Angels overall ended up being a middle-of-the-road lineup. I think they were 17th in baseball and run scored last season. So the Angels ended up middle-of-the-road, but they had those flashes in the first half of being elite, um, or at least close to elite. Well, now they're in that upper echelon. Because you don't have Mike Trout by himself. You take the pressure off a of Trout. And you have a guy in Trout who, with a four sixty on on-base percentage in 2018, a four thirty-eight on on-base percentage last year, to have the guy that's led the National League in doubles the last two seasons hitting right behind him? I mean, that's remarkable. Rendon's had over 50 doubles the last two years, which um, is crazy to think about. And then the 79 home runs just last year between those two guys, as exciting as it is from a home run perspective, I think the Angels are going to be able to score a lot more non-home run runs which is pretty cool and uh again we'll we'll keep talking about anthony rendon as we rightfully should but uh, billy epler was also asked about last week in the pursuit of rendon and getting him and was asked directly hey was rendon always a part of the plan or was something that or was this something that the angels had to pivot to once they knew they weren't going to be able to get garrett cole
1: like already said i mean he Anthony was a player we targeted early you know very rarely in in free agency do you see significant impact and this winter it, it appeared that there was a number of players that could that could provide impact but but Anthony was somebody that we had highlighted and um, we did target pitching. We're still targeting pitching, both the free agent market as well as the trade market. Um, but when the opportunity arose for us to be able to do something with, uh, with Anthony, it was, a, it was a pretty easy sell for Artie um, because he does uh, hold Anthony in, in really high regard. He's watched him play a ton, and uh, we were able to make that happen, and so we're all thankful for it.
2: And a part of the reason why Artie Moreno holds Anthony Rendon in such high regard i'd imagine has a lot to do or i know this for a fact i know it has a lot to do with anthony rendon's character and he's a great great player but he fits orange county a family first guy has his priorities straight he's a winner a world series champion this last year he's quiet he goes about his business he plays hard and he does all of the right things i mean he hits the all fields i mean he, he can spray it foul pole to foul pole a great glove, just a complete player. And he's a lot like Trout in that way when I'm thinking about really high character guys. I really think highly of Anthony Rendon and clearly so does Artie Moreno. And, and that is another part of the reason why Artie really, really, really wanted Anthony Rendon to be an angel and now he is.
5: When he was at Rice, I knew the AD there, the AD called me and said, I got a player here playing for us that you need to see play. So sort of had the name early, and then watched him with Washington. And uh, and then really, everybody obviously got to really focus on him in the playoffs and World Series. So really what he can do, just historically, the way he played, you know, his background just really felt it would be a great fit for what we're trying to accomplish here.
2: A really great fit in so many ways. And the goal for the Angels, it's not just getting to the postseason, it's being a World Series champion. I mean, the goal here is to get a ring. And had the Angels been able to bring in, you know, let's just say they were able to sign Garrett Cole, and that really left the cupboard pretty barren for what they could have been able to do after that. Maybe they do bring in one other pitcher. Uh, Maybe they still were able to bring in a, a catcher on top of that. But you would not have an impact player like Anthony Rendon in the lineup. And this is the kind of move that, to me, says, The Angels aren't just trying to go to the playoffs. They're trying to get a ring. This is the kind of move that separates you. Because the Angels very easily could have said, you know what? Our lineup's good enough. Let's put all our attention on pitching. And we'll try to get by with the lineup we got. Well, that's not the decision that the Angels have made. The decision that the Angels made is, let's get this lineup to be elite. One of the best in the game. And there are some that will say the Angels lineup is the best in the game. I'm not ready to go there. I'll say it's top three. And if all the stars align for the Halos, well, then maybe it will be the best lineup in baseball. That potential is there. And then it's about getting the pitching to be at a playoff contender level. That, that's the kind of move that if the Angels did pitching only, that, all right, hey, let's get the pitching that's going to be good enough to get us into the playoffs. That's fine. But the Angels have made a statement that by bringing in Anthony Rendon, it's not just getting to the playoffs, it's winning there. And everyone knows that pitching is what you need to win in October. Trust me, the Angels know that too. And they're doing all they can to get to that level. Let's chat with the man of the hour, Anthony Rendon. Dude, just how exciting (laughs) is this for you this week and now being here? getting a chance to meet some of these angels in this yeah. family here today. Yeah, it's definitely
6: exciting. Uh, a lot of mixed emotions as well. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from finding out the news, being at a you know a great high, being so excited, and then uh, getting the phone call from you know training staff, travel secretaries, all right, we're gonna book your flight here, book your flight there. So there's a little bit of anxiety, a little stresses about, uh, you know, we had to find boarding for our, our dogs, then yeah. we had to get Emma <laughs> ready, we had to pack her stuff, do some laundry. Uh, so it's some late nights, but you know, actually to be here and actually have it all finalized, it's uh, definitely awesome and exciting.
2: What kind of dogs do you have?
6: So we have Ridgeback mixes. Okay. Um, they're basically labs. Okay, very yeah. good.
2: That's going to be real popular, and now my wife is going to say, "Okay, now I got to meet the dogs." That's going to be part of the <laughs> they're deal. Huge, they're yeah. monsters. <laughs> that's fantastic. Okay, I-, I want you to try to walk me through what the last right. week was because I'm on the other side of this. I'm in San Diego, and I'm the one that's interested. Try to get every little piece of information <laughs> I can, and you seem like, oh yeah, no, Scott'll call me when it's time. So totally polar ends of the uh, spectrum there. But what was the last week like?
6: Uh, I don't think it was too stressful. I don't think it was too, you know, exciting. I think we try to stay even keel. And uh, we've, we've known Scott since 2011. And uh, we've kind of made it a point of what our values are as a family and where we would like to be long-term and what we'd like to be doing after baseball as well. And so he he always expressed, you know, what was going on in the whole process. You know, where should we direct him? And where, do we, where do we go if a team does this? Where do we go if a team does that? And so, you know, answered his questions, let him know. We had a yeah. sit-down meeting early in the offseason, this off-season, And uh, we kind of got to sit back and just, hey, like, do your thing. This is why we're paying you. Like, you're the agent, you know. Yeah. I'm just here to hit, hit baseballs. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, you know, do your job. I feel like you have our side. And, you know, I know that you have our best
2: interests in mind. And uh, they got us to a great place. This is an organization that just went through a miserable year. They mm-hmm. lost 90 games. Last year, 2019, felt like rock bottom in so many ways. <laughs> Yet... There is this optimism and there is this expectation when you have Mike Trout, who many people believe is the best player in the game. Maybe you disagree, I don't know. Yeah, I, but don't, <laughs> I, don't, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, but you guys now together, yeah. and the expectation here is to be a playoff team and to win. How much of a sense did you get that from meeting with the Angels and kind of having that idea?
6: Oh, I got a huge sense of that uh, when speaking, or oh, when Scott was telling me about their, their conversation with Artie, and uh, he. he, uh, he Scott said that you know already said like everybody clear the room. I think I think already kind of put it in a nice way, but he's like everyone get out or whatnot. And uh, I think the fact that he had ownership to have that level that caliber wanting you know a certain player a certain individual to come join their family that was huge in our sense and immediately after saying how much he wanted us to come be a part of the family he said well look we know that we still have other gaps to fill in the lineup and other needs he goes we're not going to be done after we just signed after we signed anthony or whatever and we're going to continue to push forward and you know and continue to start building you know a great winning team
2: i'm curious about you on a personal level because grew up in Houston, married your high school sweetheart. We got a chance to meet Emma on stage today and she yeah. sold she the show and, and everything that goes along with that. And you talk about wanting to be in Orange County and this being what's best for your family. Just how important is that to you? Uh, because I mean, this is a major decision. And obviously baseball is, is a huge part of it, but it's you know in, in many ways it's one of the probably the three or four biggest decisions you'll make in your life. Exactly. So, right, so so, so what, what was the value to that and knowing you wanted to be here in OC?
6: Yeah, I mean, it was a huge value in that. Um, like I said on stage, uh, my family, no, and no disrespect to you know the Nationals, the, the Angels, or any other baseball you know yeah. people, but my wife's gonna be there, my daughter's gonna be there when baseball's yeah. over. With you know, no one's gonna remember what these games that we had. No one's gonna remember you know the seventh inning, one out, you know <laughs> right. running around first base. You know I, I might, but um, you know they're going to be there no matter what for the next 50, 60, 70 years. And so it was a, it was a collaborative decision and an area that we felt that she would love to grow up in an area that my wife would be comfortable in. And so, I mean, she said, yes. So look at that face. You can't say no to her.
2: Yeah, I love it. Hey, if you could spare me, I, I was dreaming last night and I, and I was, and I was dreaming about Mike Trout, 460 on base two years ago, 440 last year. And the guy that's led the national league in doubles the last two seasons. How much of that have you been thinking about you guys together?
6: man actually not to be honest with you not too much we've had just so many things going on uh trying to figure out flights and then i mean we just I mean, figured it out wednesday that we're going to be here and nothing was solidified until uh my physicals were passed and so yeah. we really didn't want to put all our eggs in one basket and get you know too high in our highs sure. in that regard so I mean, we kind of just haven't really completely jumped in yet yeah. because you know you, you never know what you know uh, the physical therapy team would have found and they might have said all right we not we might need to fix this we not, <laughs> might need to fix that and and we might not be standing here. We didn't know that, so we didn't want to put a you know a for sure thing on it. But now that it has happened, I think moving forward, then uh, I'll text Trout a little yeah. bit more, and then we can have a more conversation. I think those those thoughts might be flowing.
2: Does that make a difference when you when you're making decisions? Like, did Trout have like any part of it?
6: Yeah, definitely. I mean, everyone knows that the type of caliber player that he has. <laughs> the type of caliber player that he is, and the, especially with Albert and all those other guys. Albert's you know been in the game for so long. He's a tremendous player. Uh, so, with with Upton, we have Simmons, I mean, we have Goody, who's over there now, and I played with Estella or against him in, in minor league ball, too. And so, I mean, we have so many great players on his team, so, I mean, there's a lot of thoughts I could be going into it.
2: Anthony Rendon, congratulations. Welcome to the Angels. Welcome your whole family you. here to Southern California, the Angels baseball family. We appreciate it. And looking forward to having many, many more great conversations.
6: Oh yeah. oh, yeah, definitely. I appreciate it. Take care, dude. Thank you so much.
2: So, there you go, Anthony Rendon. Welcome, Rendon family, to Southern California. Not just Anthony, but to his wife, Amanda, and daughter, Emma, as well. Welcome, Rendon family, to the Angels family. And I know you guys want to be able to see – Anthony Rendon and Mike Trout together in the lineup this year. How great is that going to be? You don't want to miss any of that. So get your red on and support your Angels during every home game in 2020 with Angels Season Seats. For more information on becoming a Season Seat Holder, call 888-796-HALO. That's 888-796-HALO or visit angels.com slash season seats. That's going to do it for us here on this New Year Megapod. I'm Trent Rush. Thanks to all of you for joining us here on our podcast. In 2020, we're going to have a new podcast coming out every Thursday uh, getting you through the offseason and ready to go for the start of spring training in Tempe. Pitchers and catchers report on February 11th. It's really not far away at all right now and we're certainly excited for that. Excited to see what else the Angels are going to do this offseason. So far been pretty good from Joe Madden to Mickey Calloway. Obviously Anthony Rendon bringing in Julio Teron, Dylan Bundy. A lot of big names already and maybe the Angels will continue to add to certainly hope that they do, but we'll have to wait and see. Again, my name is Trent Rush. Thanks to Howard Drescher and Alejandro Valenzuela to take care of business in the studio for us here on the pod. Derek Taylor as well. Looking forward to chatting with you on our next Angels Recap Podcast. Be sure to subscribe as well. We would appreciate that. Some comments, a rating, and a review all helps. Have a great rest of your day, and thanks for joining us right here on the Angels Recap Podcast.